invented by the writers and illustrators of the future. They've been providing a means for new and budding writers to have a chance for the creative efforts to be seen and acknowledged. Welcome to Chatting with Sherry. Today we welcome award-winning author Elaine McCo, and we're going to talk about her uh, story that's now uh, award-winning with um, Writers of the Future and the contest and all the inspiration. Here's Elaine. Hi, Elaine. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sherry. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. How is everything in your end of the world? Uh, my end of the world is South Florida, and actually we're doing pretty good. We're doing a-okay. Uh, it's hurricane season, but so far we've dodged the bullet. Uh, anxiously awaiting another month, uh, but uh, we're, doing, we're doing fine. It's all good here. That's good. And weather-wise, though, it's, it's, it's not too bad because... I mean, it, hurricane season is strange, isn't it? I mean, it, it you can have these horrible storms and then it'll be beautiful the next day, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but actually uh, here uh, everybody watches all the weather systems as they blow off the coast of Africa or as they form uh, in the mid-Atlantic or the Caribbean, and all you do is you watch the track. You know, where is the track going? Is it going... Uh, you know, is it going for the Gulf? Is it going for Mexico? Is it going up the East Coast? Or is it going for South Florida? It's one of those terrible things uh, where you might see something and then you say, oh, I hope it's not here. I hope it's not here. And then if it's aimed towards somebody else, you celebrate. And then you say, oh, I shouldn't be celebrating because they're getting something nasty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's human nature. You know, that's human nature. I know. My father was stationed in Florida when he was young in the Air Force, and he said that he doesn't even remember the hurricane because uh, the base had a hurricane party, and uh, they all got drunk. And he he goes, he doesn't even remember. He doesn't. Even, he said he there was some damage to the base that we had to clean up with hangovers. Um, but, but he says the actual hurricane itself, he doesn't remember at all. Well, well, then he he has a very good uh, he had a good plan for dealing with it. <laughs> I'll well, remember that for the next one. Get drunk, okay? I'll remember that one. It, it was it wasn't his plan though. Remember, he was a kid. <laughs> right, right. Of course, of course. <laughs> I mean that that was the base. So a bunch of twenty eight, eighteen, seventeen to twenty year olds. I mean, what else are they gonna do, right? What, what else can you do, right? That's that's the solution. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, but we're all good here. We're good here, and hopefully you're good in San Diego. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. Um, luckily, um, we we were having it was cloudy and like it was going to rain. This uh, in California, the rain is kind of, at least Southern California. It's kind of weird. It, like it kind of gathers. And we're waiting. Uh-huh. Come on, rain already, because the humidity goes up like crazy. Come on, rain already, and then it just doesn't. Right. <laughs> and that's the way it's been. It did rain one day, and we really needed it, but it didn't. And the, the, it's been, it was like a week of it, and it only rained one day. <sighs> oh gosh! Wow. Well, well, well. Here it's just. You know, wait it out, have a have a downpour for about 10 minutes or so, unless it's a, a tropical storm or something, and then 
and then it's done. It's done. You just wait ten minutes and then you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. when we um, when we were kids, we lived in Ohio, and there was like really quick storms there, and and sometimes they were warm rain. It was weird. It was like in the summer. It was like like you one part of the uh, street didn't get rained on, and the other part of the street did. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, we only lived there for a little while, but I just that's one of the things I remember. That and the tornado. That's the other thing I remember. <laughs> well, yeah, I haven't been through that yet, and don't want to either. Yeah, I'm. I well, we moved because of a major earthquake when I was eight. And it's one of the lessons we learned, my parents learned, and we learned as children was we live on a seismic planet and you really can't run away from natural disasters because it's going to be wherever you live. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. It just it yeah. doesn't matter where in the country, where in the world, doesn't matter. You're going to get hit by something. It's going to be something. That's absolutely true. That's a good philosophy for life, too. doesn't matter what's going on. You're going to be hit with something. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. it's better just to deal with it and not be afraid of it. Right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I've been through two major earthquakes, so if anybody should know, I should. <laughs> wow. I have never been in an earthquake. Not ever. Um, I don't even know how I would react. See, we, we, we've often had the discussion here. What's worse, a hurricane where you have five days to plan and you know it's coming and maybe it lasts for two, three days, or an earthquake where you have no clue, it lasts for like 10, 15 seconds, let's say, and then I guess there, there are aftershocks. But, but it's a real question. Which, which kind of, of natural disaster is worse, the one where you have the days of anticipation and worrying and California every 20 years or so. A hurricane is every year. Yep. That's the difference. But not necessarily at your in your spot, you know. That's what I mean, that, that here we watch the tracks. Because it's not every year we get hit by a hurricane. It's just that every year there's hurricane season. So. Yeah, that's true. Oh, well. But knows? like I said, it's we, like... We it's like every 20 years here, so I, 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 I'm not going to worry about it. No, don't worry. And I won't worry about hurricanes. We'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all you can do is just, like, when it comes, deal with it the best you can. Right, right, absolutely. Um, I have a cat who's never experienced it, so I'm a little worried what she's going to do with our first we get tremors, you know, like little four-pointers that my brother and I hardly feel. Um, but she's never she she doesn't like loud noises. She like jumps straight in the air, uh, so like the fireworks. So I don't oh know how she's going to react to an earthquake. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she'll jump straight up and then land on on you or or your brother. Who knows? No, she might be so scared. Yeah. I don't think she'll do that. She'll probably run to hide under one of our beds. That's what she normally does with loud noises. 
Ah, well, at least you'll know where to look for her. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, when we had, uh, when the Northridge quake hit, we had two cats, and we couldn't find them. We were both, we were all panicked, and um, one cat was behind the refrigerator. He was my cat, little idiot, Freckles, and the other cat was hiding under my bed with all her nails in the mattress. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's fear. (laughs) Well, we were really scared because the bookcases fell down and all the books fell, so we were worried that they were piled underneath the pile. Oh, oh, my goodness. Because we couldn't find them. Yeah. And they they weren't answering us, and they weren't crying, and we didn't know where, you know. Wow. Wow. So. Never had anything like that before. Wow, that would that would be very frightening. But um, it was it was interesting because the refrigerator was slightly it slightly moved out from the quake. So my brother pulled it out, and my dad looked behind, and there was freckles curled around behind the cabinets. Oh my gosh. I don't even know how that, that, he, how he did it. I know that's what I'm thinking. How do you get behind the refrigerator? Oh my goodness! He not only got behind the refrigerator, he got where the little crawl space was behind the cabinets, and that's oh my where he was. Wow. But in the dark, when it suddenly happened, because it was middle of the night, it, when it suddenly happened, how does a cat figure that out? I mean was much more understandable with Kitty with her nails in my bed than my idiot freckles <laughs> behind the refrigerator. I didn't get that yeah, at all. Yeah, that's very strange. That's very, very strange. I'm just glad he was okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. But, Find a good hiding spot. Wow. Yeah, it was like, I, I, I guess his instinct just said, get into the yeah. crawl space because that's where you're safe. Wow. But well, yeah. and you found it. Yeah. So it worked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it took her. It took her. Took it, took their food to get him out. Oh dear. Yeah, we had <laughs> we took like little pieces of food in a little line to get him to come out from behind the the refrigerator. And, well, actually, uh-huh. when he got close enough, I grabbed him. Wow. He was so happy to see me. He just curled in my arms. Of course. Something familiar, definitely. And uh, Kitty, it took two of us. Um, I was under the bed very gently getting her nails out, and my mom was on the other side holding her up so she didn't fall on top of me. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. And I guess the mattress was ruined. <laughs> yeah, well, it was ruined anyway because it was um, banged against the wall, so I don't even know. But she was okay. I mean, I don't know if she did that before or after. Um, it was in the Northridge quake was a strange quake because it started really slow. 
when it started it first right. started I thought it was a small quake because it was it was a rolling quake and it started really slow right. I remember reading that yeah and so well when you ran, when you're native you know the difference in quakes but what we didn't know is that it actually got another fault to react which was a thrusting quake and that and a third fault joined in, and so it was like being inside a coffee grinder because there was three different faults and going three different ways. That's why it was such a bad. That's why Northridge was such a bad quake, and it it was so wide. It basically almost did the entire valley, San Fernando Valley. That's oh gosh! Because it started in Northridge and then. It hit the fault, uh, the San Andreas, which is Granada Hills, and then the uh, Woodland Hills that's underneath the, the, there's like a little mountain between the valley and Los Angeles. It, it, the fault is under, there's another fault that they knew about but was never active under there. So that's basically the entire valley. Oh, man. Okay, I'll, I'll keep my hurricanes. You keep your earthquakes. That That is the worst one I've ever gone through, and I, that one probably won't be another 20, 30 years, so I'm not worried. And I don't live there anymore. Well, <laughs> good. Um, but, no, that was, that was the scariest thing I've ever been through in my life. Wow. You could write a story about it. I have really clear mind of it. I mean, I was a woman. I was uh, 19 or 20 years old. No, no, I was older than that. I was 20. I was about 22 or 23 when that hit. And so I was a woman. So, but it's it, it, the first quake that was a big quake. I was eight years old. I have a clear mind about how scared I was, and all I wanted was my parents and making sure my brother was okay. Um, and our cat. Um, right. Th- that was what I remember. Um, yeah. The Northridge earthquake, I, I was a woman, so I remember every single solitary detail. <laughs> right, right. Oh, boy. And, right. How, and how scared I was. Sure. And how worried I was about my brother who lived in the, another area. Um, uh-huh. So... It was just, it was scary. Yeah. But I I still love the valley. I know people think I'm weird, but I grew up there. That's, that's, that I'll always consider San Fernando Valley my home. Uh Uh-huh. That's, that's why, that's not weird. That's fine. So, even though I live in San Diego, and I live in a valley in San Diego, so it's like, I haven't moved. Right. <laughs> You're a valley girl. Okay. Oh, I hate that term. <laughs> because <laughs> they expect you to talk like uh, the woman that wrote the Valley Girl movie and the Valley Girl right. song right. and all that. Yeah. Yeah, the stereotype that, of course, is not a fair stereotype, right? No. I've actually, until after the movie, never heard anybody speak like that. 
Then everybody was speaking like that after the movie came out. Oh, dear. See, it shows you how careful people who write need to be because you might influence other people to do things. Yeah. And have a detrimental effect on society. At least language. Right, right. <laughs> but, um, no, it's just like, I have nothing against the people who did the movie or the actors. The actors were mostly really good actors. Um, just the the idea that if you're from the valley, it's just like if you're from California, you have to be blonde and tan, which sure. neither of which I am. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're yeah. from L.A., that's what you're supposed to, if you're from Southern California, that's what you're supposed to look like, you know. Well, but but there's stereotypes and there and then there's the reality and of course every for for those who live in Southern California you have the reality the rest of the country has the stereotypes so well if even people who live in certain communities don't know what really the regular well I can't I don't want to call them regular people um, <laughs> the working people uh, the no, call normal people. The, no, that, the, that would be <laughs> The non-showbiz people, that's the way I'll put it. Uh, right, People right. in show business has the idea that everybody in Los Angeles acts like the people in the conclaves of show business, which are the Hollywood Hills, and uh, in, in the Valley it would be in the, um, you know, the Sherman Oaks area, although there, uh, there's, there's, Ventura Boulevard is like a track. Uh, if you live on one side of Ventura Boulevard, that's by the hills, that's where the rich people live. If you live on the other side of Ventura Boulevard, that's where everybody else lives. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they think everybody is like the people in that area, those areas, and that's that is what makes if, if they're from out of town or another country and they're working in L.A., that forms their opinion of what people in Los Angeles is like because they're in those conclaves and they never probably ever mingle with the regular working people. <laughs> right, right. Sure. Uh, the real view of, for the folks who live there and then the tourist view, and that, that's true, you know, almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, it, 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 there's a different way to do, say that if you live in L.A. as opposed to San Fernando Valley. And the San Fernando Valley is a butt of jokes because it's basically suburbia. Um, <laughs> suburbia that's become urban in ways, but suburbia. It's very interesting. It's psychologically right. strange, but interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, my, I wanted to ask you, when did you start writing? Were you a child? Were you encouraged by your parents? Uh, interesting you say that. My uh, mother would definitely encourage that, and they always encouraged reading. Um, I wrote stuff when I was a kid, uh, ended up on the high school paper, you know, things like that. Uh, then, of course, working life intervened, um, and and I didn't really 
start writing regularly probably until after I retired from my job about five years ago. That's when I really decided, hey, come on, let's do this, let's do this. I did, I did some when I was in my 20s, but I was working at the time. And, and on one job, I was a college administrator, and all day I was on the computer, and there was just no way, no way when I came home that I was going to go back on the computer and write some more. Uh, but, but after I retired about five years ago, I, I started, really. Um, and, uh, and then of course during the pandemic, oh my goodness, couldn't go out and do things and all of a sudden everything is on Zoom and I found, uh, writing workshops from all around the world. I was taking writing workshops from Australia, from England, from California, uh, all around the country. And I started doing these workshops and, and stories started emerging and I just began to have a lot of fun with it, so... That's really when I started. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Were you a reader as a child? Oh, yes. All the time. Uh, uh, read a great deal, loved it, uh, and, and certainly enjoyed science fiction as well. Uh, when I was around eight or nine years old, uh, my parents uh, had hired a fellow to be our buggy man. That's what we called him. He was the exterminator who would come by and spray the house, you know, all that. Um, and lo and behold, I think he saw me reading something and he said, oh, you like science fiction? And the next month he came by, he must have emptied his bookshelf. I think he had more than 150 science fiction paperbacks in boxes for me. And I started reading, and oh my goodness, absolutely loved it. So I, I remember he had many Robert Heinlein books, um, and and I, I just dived right in, and it was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And I always loved sci-fi as a kid. My favorite show was Star Trek, and it probably still is. Yeah, I'm a big, I love science fiction. Uh, I love Star Trek. I love the. I actually love the original series. I thought it was super. Me too. Me too. The original series, absolutely. And Next um, Generation. Sure, sure. They were wonderful, just wonderful. Uh, and when I went to when I went to law school, um, you know, you're reading these law cases all the time, <laughs> and you just want a break. And lo and behold, I discovered I don't know if they existed before I went to law school, which was uh, mid '80s. Uh, but somebody started publishing Star Trek books, and I began to read the Star Trek novels. And what a break from law school. It was wonderful. I think it impacted my grades, but it was worth it. That's funny because um, I remember when I was going to um, Cal State Northridge, and I, I, they had a beautiful library. But, and I, was, I, I had been in a couple of fan clubs for Star Trek, and I was introduced to fan fiction. And I was a bad girl. When I was supposed to be studying for midterms or something, I would be writing my fan fiction sometimes. I admit oh. it. I'm bad. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but you know what? In a way, it's another form of education. It's also discovering what you like, what you don't like. I mean, 
you know, here I was in law school, and I didn't know. Reading the law cases wasn't that great for me, but, but reading uh, the sci-fi and, and some of the other books, yeah, that was, that was good. But that's wonderful that you wrote fan fiction. I like fan fiction. I've, I've actually done that a little bit with Star Trek. That was many, many, many years ago, many years ago. But I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did it when it was um, booklets that you stapled together and you sent out to people who uh, asked for it through, uh, like, magazines like Starlog. That's the way we did it. Or, or at conventions, there were, like, boxes under the table of... Um, of 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 uh, zines, and you would go go right. through the zines, and you would buy the ones that you liked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but you know some some well known authors got started that way. Um, I'm trying to think if uh, I think I'm not sure if this is right, but maybe Barbara Hambury. I don't know. Uh, I I think she may have started that way. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, but it's funny. Some some people. That's how you start. Yeah. And and I and I know there's um there's some fan fiction writing clubs that are being sponsored by libraries now during the pandemic. And that's fun too. Yeah, I mean, I've always done I I kind of switch over. Um when it when it came online, I was doing uh Xena fan fiction. And Sure. And now I do uh Miss Fisher fan fiction. Who knows? May, my next one may be My Life is Murder fan fiction. Uh, <laughs> I still write it. it. It's a relaxing thing. It's it's for fun. It's not, you know, you, it's not, and, and you have your own audience through the writing. So you learn, it, it's a great learning technique. What's good? I think so. You know, what works, what, you, you get letters from the people, emails from people saying, oh, you know, I really like this, or or um, I don't really think this. It's a good story, but I don't think this character worked. Or, so, I mean, it's it, you. The feedback you get is good. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's fun, as you say. Yeah. It's relaxing. It's not. Uh-huh. You know, it's not like my regular writing. That's separate. And it. it you take it, it, which is hard work, and you're very lonely, and there's not very. There's no feedback. It's just you. Uh, right. <laughs> a totally different world. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, so, how did you find out about the writers and illustrators of the future? Uh, that that was interesting. Um, Miami has a huge book fair. It's one of the largest book fairs in the country. It's usually uh, in November. Uh, probably a week or so before Thanksgiving. I don't think they had it uh, last year because of the pandemic, but it's it's one of the largest ones in the country. And and as part of it, they have a street fair. And in this street fair, you've got hundreds of booths. And these are publishers. Uh, some are big publishers, little publishers, all over the place. And And basically, I was walking by, and I saw... Uh, a Writers of the Future book. And I looked at it, and I was staring at it, because the cover was magnificent. This is where those illustrators come in. I mean, the artwork is fantastic. And I was just kind of staring at it, uh, and somebody came up who was in that booth and said, uh, well, we're giving it away. And they gave me a copy, 
And then that person told me about the contest, and, and that was probably, gosh, I don't know how many years ago, maybe seven, eight years ago, maybe nine, I don't know. Uh, but that's how I heard about it, and, and I became in, entranced with it uh, almost immediately. I love the stories. I think I got some of the other anthologies. I think the one they were giving away may have been one from a previous year. It wasn't the current one. Um, but the stories are excellent. They really are, and the artwork is fantastic. Uh, and then the concept is fantastic. Uh, the concept that, well, you know, we're just going to, to publish these unknown writers uh, from all around the world who have submitted stories and we get top sci-fi authors to judge these writers and then these stories get picked and they're they are amazing stories they really are they're excellent um, and and I got hooked I didn't start writing right away again because I was working and my job kind of occupied a lot of my brain power uh, and and I was not one of those. I, I admire those people so much who, you know, they're working full time and then they wake up at 2 in the morning and write from 2 to four, uh, two a.m. to 4 a.m. Uh, I wasn't one of those. Uh, but once I, I retired about five years ago, that's when I thought, come on, time to do this, time to really get into it. Uh, and it's a wonderful venue because uh, they, they run it four times a year every three months. And so you kind of have this deadline this deadline that says, oh, come on, finish, try to finish this story. Finish this story so that you can at least submit it. Uh, and that's, that's a big encouragement. So it's a wonderful thing, and that's how I got That's how I found out about it. Cool. And how did you find out that you were one of the finalists? Oh, that was very nice. Um, there's a, a Writers of the Future staff member, a woman named Joni, who's one of, uh, I guess she... She's one of the big conscious, I guess, in terms of organizing it and doing the work for it. Uh, she, she's the one who personally makes the phone calls. And by God, she called up. And uh, from reading, uh, I think on their website they have a forum or a blog or something. They have a forum. I knew that, that she personally called the finalist. So when she said, hi, this is uh, Joni from Writers of the Future, I was like, oh, my God. You know, I, I started dancing in front of my window. So <laughs> That's cool. It was wonderful. Cool. Yeah. wonderful. And are you looking forward to the workshops and everything? I am. I am. Um, they had to cancel it for last year's volume so they're combining the two this time around um, and and yes I'm very much looking forward uh, to it very excited by it uh, unfortunately um, I had a slight medical issue and combined with the pandemic it wasn't good for me to travel right now uh, so but, but they were kind I, I get to go next time so um. I'm, I'm, they're, they're very nice that way well yeah um, it's not your fault <laughs> right, right. It, it was it, it was very bad timing, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I, uh, but yes, definitely. It's a, it's supposed to be fantastic. Um, I've read from lots of people who've attended, uh, and it's, it's like the best one around. And I'm certainly looking forward to it. And right now on their website, they have a free online workshop. Uh, where they have videos from three of the judges who are all top sci-fi authors and, 
and it's very well organized. I actually, I took it and I thought it was great. And I'm a facilitator for a local writers group. So I recommended it because you don't have to be a sci-fi author to benefit from their writers, uh, from their online writing class. It's, it's, you know, self-paced. I, I think it may be, I forgot whether it's 11 lessons, 13 lessons, but you do it at your own pace. There's videos, there's articles, there's exercises. Uh, and it's, I, I think it's a, a, something wonderful for anybody uh, who wants to improve their writing. And it's free, which always makes me happy. I love free. Uh, and it's on their, their webpage, and it's free. And I don't think you have to be a sci-fi author to benefit from it. I think any writer could benefit from it. Cool. Um, do you have anything that you're working on now outside of Writers of the Future that you want to let people know about? Um, I've been uh, uh, writing some short stories, and I've been fortunate. Um, I, I just had one uh, short story published online uh, by a magazine called JewishFiction.net. Uh, that's also their webpage. It's the name of the magazine. It's also their webpage. It's called JewishFiction.net. And in addition to, in addition to sci-fi, uh, you know, it's funny. Is it do you plan your writing or do you not plan the writing? I, I seem to be going toward historical fiction somehow. And uh, that story is a historical fiction story, uh, slightly related to the Holocaust, but not exactly. Uh, takes place uh, around 1977, um, where uh, someone uh, who, an American girl who's the daughter of a Holocaust survivor, ends up meeting a very old man. Uh, the, the American girl's a college student. She ends up meeting an old man, and, and who was he? He was a nasty general. Mm. And it's a little bit about their encounter, uh, as well as going a little bit to the past as to what happened, you know, during the war as well. Um, so that story got accepted and was published, and I'm very pleased with that. That's at jewishfiction.net. It's called Sarah's Father. Um, and then I've been fortunate. I've also enjoyed flash fiction. Flash fiction is really, really short stuff. Some people define it as under 1,000 words. So you could think of that as being under four pages, let's say. But sometimes flash fiction is under 300 words. It's under, uh, it, it all depends on who's doing the publishing. I've seen some under 600 words. I've seen some where they only want 100 word stories. Uh, but I've really enjoyed doing flash fiction. And I've been lucky with that as well, uh, that two have been published. And just uh, about a week ago, I had a third one accepted for publication. Cool. So... I, and I enjoy it. I enjoy flash fiction. But, you know, it would be hard to make a book from it because you could have flash fiction stories that are only a half page. So you'd have to write, a, gosh, I don't know how many of them. Uh, but I don't care. You know, what I'm doing is I'm doing what I enjoy. So I enjoy the flash fiction, and, and it's been nice. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, no. Are, are no. You, um, we're coming to the end. Are you on social media? Uh, funny you should say that. I, I'm, I'm really not active on social media, and yet I've been hearing from so many people that as a new writer, that's part of it, that you have to be out there. You have to be on Twitter and, and Instagram and Facebook.
Facebook and all that. I have to admit that I am not, uh, and probably I should be, uh, but as yet I am not. I am not. But but if anybody were to Google uh, Elaine Midco, M-I-D-C-O-H, if you Google it, uh, you'll probably find at least uh, my flash fiction online as well as uh, the uh, longer story that I talked about. Okay. So not too many people with M-I-D-C-O-H as a last name, so no, it works. it is different. Um, and do you have a website? No, I, I really, I haven't done anything. And it, again, it's so funny that you mentioned it because I was just, I, I mentioned, you know, writer's workshops, this and that. I was just, uh, uh, I was online with one the other day and it was a publisher who said, oh, this great debut novel came out and it was absolutely wonderful. But then I rejected it because the person didn't have an online presence. And he said, you know, you can't be an author if you're an invisible man or at least not a published author. That was his phraseology. And he was saying, you've got to have that online presence. So as of yet, I don't. Uh, but in the future, who knows? Probably, yes. I, I know I should. It's one of those things that I know I should. Yeah, it's really is important because you have to be, you don't have to be on everything, but you should choose a few that you like and make your own website. The website's right. really important because then you can have like links to all your published work and anything else that you're working on. Right, right. Well, yeah, like I know you have a very strong online presence, so yeah. No, I, I know it, I know it, and I probably will. But I haven't yet. Okay. All right. Um, we've come to the end. I want to thank you so much, Elaine. I hope you enjoyed the show. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. <laughs>